Hi, and welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I am your host and the founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb. And this is where you'll get the encouragement, insight, and information you need to raise kids of character and our culture saturated with media and technology. We call it Brave Parenting because it takes courage and hard work to not only keep on top of technology, but then discern how you'll apply that into your family's lives. Our goal is to keep you informed and equipped to parent your tech-savvy kids. Welcome to today's show. In the news, we'll be talking about Selena Gomez quoting that social media has been terrible for our generation. Also, Gab Wireless starts its crowdfunding. In our character focus, we'll be talking about the virtue of hard work. And in our apps, five facts, we'll be talking about the app Netflix. And in our family focus, we'll be discussing helpful tips for binge watching. All right, in today's news, Selena Gomez made a lot of headlines recently as she was in a press conference for the Cannes Film Festival in France. She was promoting um, her movie, The Dead Don't Die. And in this press conference, she goes on to start talking about social media. And she says, quote, it just scares me, that's all. She says that she meets young girls at meet and greets or something, and they're devastated dealing with the bullying and the social media that goes on. So what's interesting is Selena Gomez, she's 26 years old, and she is the third most followed person on Instagram. She has over 150 million followers, um, you know, only second to Ariana Grande and Cristiano Ronaldo. So she is definitely a huge presence on um, social media, especially Instagram. And here she is, she's saying it scares me. She actually goes on further in the interview to say, Social media has been really terrible for my generation. It does scare me when you see how exposed young girls and boys are. Okay, so if Selena Gomez at 26 is saying, hey, this scares me as she looks to young, right, 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old children, seeing all of the same stuff that she's seen on social media and then seeing the effects of it, I think it's important to realize that at 26 years old, she was not on social media as a, as a middle school age child. I mean, granted, she might've been in the entertainment industry and been exposed to other stuff, but right. Social media is sort of a whole different beast when it comes to how it is affecting the emotional development of especially young girls seeing and comparing um, themselves to this whole global community that we have. Selena Gomez has been noted and to take these quote, social media breaks. Uh, recently, in the past couple of years, she's had to have a kidney transplant. She's taken long-term breaks off of social media posting and has come back and, and really stood up for the, the mental health aspect that can be affected with social media. So even though she is wildly followed on Instagram, I think this is a great thing and that more celebrities can um, really be open and honest about how it's affecting them. I think this is a great way as well to talk to your young sons and daughters who may be on Instagram or any other platform. They're saying that it's you know terrible for their generation, yet they're still posting. Well, it's a great thing to, to recognize that they're not the only ones posting on their account. These celebrities also have social media managers who are promoting and posting for them, right? It's not just them posting it. But a lot of times it appears that way. It appears that these celebrities and these social media influencers are spending this time. So help your children, right? Talk about this topic. Talk about Selena Gomez, how she is so popular in social media, yet she's saying that it's been terrible. How do they feel about that? Do they agree with that statement? Also in news, 
Gab Wireless is making the scene and making some headlines as it promotes and starts its crowdfunding for a new product called the Gab Phone. Now, be prepared, right? All your parents everywhere are going to kind of scream their hallelujahs with this. Here is the deal with this new phone coming out. It has the look of a smartphone. It looks almost identical to what an iPhone or a Samsung phone would look like, but it has the functionalities of what you would say a dumb phone has. So here it is. It gives you a powerful phone. Essentially, you can make the phone calls that you need to. Trustworthy texts. You can text, but there are no multimedia messages. Multimedia messages is the sending of pictures or memes. You also get a camera front and back. And the other features that exist on this phone are the alarm, calculator, FM radio, and calendar. It's essentially everything that you need in a smartphone, except for it's not a smartphone. It's priced like a dumb phone, but you are not having to buy a $700 to $1,000 iPhone just to have the security of a phone that you can lock down or buying a less expensive Android, but still having all these features that are very difficult to lock down. So this phone has great possibilities. Now, of course, it's probably going to, you know, spark all sorts of terror amongst kids because there is going to be this fear of maybe being ridiculed or bullied because they have this phone that looks like a smartphone, but they don't have all the features of a smartphone, right? Of course, there is um, this hierarchy of who has what phone and how popular that makes them in especially the public school and the social setting amongst adolescents. Here's the deal though, as you're considering to buy your child a phone, you are choosing so because you want to communicate with your child. Yes, your child wants to communicate with their friends, but the reason, the ultimate reason that you buy one is because you're like, okay, I want to be able to contact them or communicate them wherever they're at, know where they're at. And this is what this phone can still do, but it also gives them those core functionalities of, yes, that they can take pictures. No, they can't text them, but... You know what, that is such a convenient feature that we've become accustomed to, but there is no need for adolescents to do that. You know, as I speak to middle schools all across the the country, what I hear is administration saying that they're spending the majority of their time dealing with sexting or the sharing of nudes. Well, why are our children doing this? Well, they're doing it because we've given them the tools to do that. We've literally handed them a device that has the capability to do it. And we wonder why with their unformed brains and impulsive decisions and and growing um, hormones and sexual curiosity, why they're doing it. Well, we've given them the tools to do that. However, if we take those tools away, you know, are they going to be sending nudes? Well, they might find another new way to do it, but it's not going to be as easy as through text, right? Because this phone would not allow that. So this is a great feature, great for that child's first phone. Maybe that's like sixth grade, seventh or eighth grade, as they can learn to become responsible with this phone, right? You can move them up to the more advanced phones, maybe to the phone that has internet access and that has access to other type of internet connected apps. But this is a great phone. So they are currently slated to potentially release their first phone in August of 2019. So we will see, but this shows lots of great potential and they've already reached their goal of $50,000 from their crowdfunding. All right, in our character focus, we're talking about the virtue of hard work. When it relates to technology and media, which is usually how we're talking about these character virtues, what's funny is it's pretty much the opposite. You have phone and media use of video games and, and watching television 
and then you have hard work. <laughs> there really are the complete opposite. You could possibly, you know, do hard work on your computer, whether it be your academic work or, or some other type of work or skill that you're developing. But for the most part, screens are a indulgence or a way to have downtime. And we need to contrast that with this hard work. We discussed a couple episodes ago about moderation. This is hard work, um, as we especially talk about later in the show, binge watching. There is everything in moderation. There's a time for hard work and there's a time for relaxation on a screen. So what exactly is hard work? It is defined as constant, regular, or habitual engagement in earnest and energetic work or activity. So it's a big fancy way of saying it takes regular, consistent physical activity that you're doing on a regular basis. A lot of people will say that only physical work is hard work, but as we know, there are a lot of things and a lot of people in our world that um, we wouldn't be where we're at, right, if it didn't take a lot of mental hard work. So there are um, two different sides of that coin. Your child studying for their final exams, that is going to be hard work. It's going to take discipline, and we can praise them for the hard work of studying the same way that we can praise if they went out and mowed the grass this weekend. That too is hard work. If you're in part of the country where it's really hot, it's even harder work. Some attributes um, that go into hard work, right? Some other character traits are initiative, flexibility, motivation, self-reliance, dependability. Those are all things that go into hard work. So as you as a parent consider, how can I make my child um, a hardworking individual? Well, obviously the one great way is to make them work hard. Now, note, hard work is not child abuse, right? Your children may claim that it is, but it really isn't. It is for their benefit, and, and children really need us to require this of them for their own benefit, for, the, for having the dignity of a job well done, and giving them the tools and character that they need to win in the future as adults. I also love how uh, financial guru Dave Ramsey puts it. He says, you should view teaching your children to work hard in the same way you view teaching them to bathe and to brush their teeth. It's a necessary skill for life. Money comes from work. That's just the bottom line. And so granted, you may or may not pay them for all the hard work that they do, but hard work is still needed to be learned from the earliest of ages through all the way to being an adult. So here are some ways that you can teach your children to do hard work in moderation with the screen activity. All screen activity should be balanced with hard work. Number one, mom, dad, this is so easy. Don't do everything for them. It sounds so simple, but actually making them do their own laundry, making them maybe wash their own dishes, clean their own space up. These are just simple things that they can learn right from the beginning to do that hard work. Also, it's great to make them sweat a little bit, right? That you're going to do the academic hard work in school, but then good physical labor is an also a great way to train them what hard work is. It's good to kind of get your hands dirty, get out there, whether you're washing the car, um, collecting, you know, trash around the yard or mowing the grass or weed eating, whatever that sort of physical activity is. It's okay. They're going to survive. They're going to sweat a little bit and they're going to complain. Remember, your perseverance as a parent is super important in allowing them to learn that value of hard work. Also, you can serve together or work together as a family. When you make it something that it's just what your family does. You know, my family, we volunteer every other week 
at a, a food bank. We've been doing this for, for five or six years, and I still hear the complaints. Um, but then they get there, and they do it, and then we leave, and it's they feel the benefit and the success that comes along with stepping outside, serving others, and working hard in that. So make work just something your family does. Maybe you all do yard work together. Maybe it's not serving somewhere in the community, but you've got a lot of landscaping and you're all going to do this maybe once a month. Do it together. You um, can't really expect that if you just sit there on your phone or binge watching a television show and that you're going to go send your kids out to mow the grass and that they're going to work really hard on it, right? (laughs) It's very much a, a role model Um, lesson. They are going to learn to work hard when they see you working hard. So be consistent, give them projects on a regular basis, require it of them regularly and consistently, and they will learn to do that as an adult as well. In our apps five facts, we're going to be talking about the app Netflix. And the first thing that you need to know about Netflix is it is a subscription television and movie streaming app. Um, Not only is it an app for your smartphone, but you can pretty much use the app on every device, whether it be an iPad, um, any other kind of tablet, a cable box, a game console. Maybe if you have a smart refrigerator, you probably get the Netflix app for that as well, right? It is highly available. Now, Netflix users spend 100 million hours a day watching content. So across the globe, people are spending 100 million hours watching Netflix. Let the enormity of that really sink in. It is huge. Netflix keeps track of your viewing habits, and it then provides you with a list of suggestions based on your past viewing habits and how much you've watched. Now, again, this is that algorithm, just like social media, um, works to show you content that they believe is relevant to you, and Netflix is is watching your habits, and it's suggesting content that they think that you are going to like. And of course, they use the autoplay feature that encourages the continual watching of that content. Fact number two about Netflix is this content. Netflix has everything from newer movies to recent seasons that have been on on regular cable TV um, to a wide selection of old favorites. They gain their content um, through contracts with major television um, industries like Disney and the CW. Um, One of the contracts that they have with Disney is that they are going to be one of the first outlets that you can find the latest Marvel movies once that they are released and Disney movies. Beyond these contracts, Netflix also is producing its own original content. Some of this um, include like House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, Masters of None. Tons of um, Netflix produced content is also found on on the streaming app. Now, because of the way that Netflix works of of releasing their own content, as well as bringing in new content from um, some of their contracts, it's sort of a revolving door. You're not always going to find everything on Netflix. If there's a favorite old movie from the 90s that you want, It may be on there now and it may not be on there next month. It's a constantly revolving door. They have some coming and some leaving at all times. Now, the interesting thing to note about the content as well, especially if you listened to the episode last week where we talked about the National Center of Sexual Exploitation's Dirty Dozen list, Netflix was the number one on the list. And that was because of their content. A lot of their content um, is given either no ratings or ratings that aren't really appropriate. And there is a lot of sexual aggression inside of relationships on these shows, um, nudity, 
really what would be rated R, if not X, in order to be shown on cable TV or even in the movie theaters, is allowed openly on Netflix. And if there are no parental controls through a Netflix account, this exposes this content to all ages who have access to it. And that's what landed it in the number one spot on the NCOSE Dirty Dozen list. So when you reflect on the content, you say, oh, well, it's just movies or it's just TV shows. A lot of the original content is not appropriate. Now, the third fact that you need to know about Netflix is the binging. Now, we're going to focus on this as our whole family focus on some helpful tips about binge watching. What makes Netflix the go-to place for binging is because they release all of an entire season all at once. In contrast to um, streaming apps like HBO, who release maybe one episode a week, for example, Game of Thrones is wildly popular right now as I record this. And it's because it's releasing one episode a week, like traditional cable TV shows that you might have grown up with, whereas Netflix does not do that. They release an entire season, whether it be original content or maybe an entire season of, you know, of Full House or How I Met, you know, Your Mother and whatever show it is. They release it all at once. The interesting thing about that is that it autoplays the next episode, the next episode. So it really is setting users up to binge in that regard. And when we talk about that more in the family focus, you'll kind of see ways that how it's affecting the brain. But ultimately, Netflix is the go-to place for binge watching because of this feature. All right. And the fourth fact that you need to know about Netflix is that it is subscription-based. You can download the app itself to your phone or device But before you can start streaming content, you'll have to pay for a subscription. Now, Netflix does give you 30 days free to try it. But then after that, you'll have to choose from one of three plans. The first is the basic plan. It's $8.99 a month, and it allows you to stream on one device. The standard plan is $12.99 a month and allows for two devices to be viewed at the same time. And the premium plan, which is $15.99 a month, not only gives you the highest resolution, but it allows for viewing onto four devices at the same time. Now, your Netflix membership, like all subscriptions, automatically renews until you terminate it. So every month, you're going to be paying for the subscription, whether you are watching or not. Now, just to note that the terms of service of Netflix does state that if you um, have one of these, say, premium plans that allows you to view on four devices at the same time, that is designed to be specifically for inside the same family and not um, all of all of your friends, friends, friends. The fifth fact about Netflix is the parental controls. These are very important because if you're going to allow the Netflix app for your children, it's important that you limit what content they're going to be able to see. Now, Netflix allows you to set these controls right inside of your account, and it requires a four-digit PIN for the parent. It allows you to set controls for the G rating for the littlest of kids to PG and then PG-13 and then everyone. It also allows you to set or block specific shows from being viewed. Say, for example, if you did not want your children to watch 13 Reasons Why or Sex Education, you could block them specifically, and then it would require your pin before they were able to view any of that content. So knowing these parental controls, this is important when you consider the ratings of whether or not you should allow your children to have this. 
Netflix ex- itself says you have to be 18 years old to create an account. So we definitely stand by that. Your children shouldn't be 16 and subscribing to their own account without any parental controls. However, because the app itself is fine to have on a device, this is where the parental controls is crucial. You have to set the parental controls and make sure the content they view is appropriate as well as setting some sort of screen time limit or third-party parental control time limit on that so that they are not binging all night long. So with the parental control set and some sort of time limit set, the Netflix app could theoretically be okay for any age child as long as you approve of that. All right, so that brings us to our family focus of binge watching. You've probably heard this term, even if you've never, quote, binge watched something before. And like I said, Netflix is the go-to place. A Netflix survey found that 61% of the subscribers regularly watch between two and six episodes of a show in one sitting. So over half of the people who are watching Netflix are watching more than one episode, right? They're watching between two and six. Consider that if an episode is one hour, that means they're watching between two and six hours of television programming. A more recent study found that most Netflix members will prefer to binge watch through an entire series and they will actually finish the series in less than one week. So it's really um, showing like the compulsive, the, I don't want to say it's not always addiction, but it's definitely the desire to completely finish a whole storyline and get that done. Um, And that's how Netflix works is they allow that whole season to be viewed all at once. Interesting statistic um, found by the research firm Nielsen. They found that 361,000 people watched all nine episodes of season two of Stranger Things on the first day it was released. Nine episodes all in one day. Number one, it goes to show how much the, the season was loved and the Stranger Things show is loved because that many people are watching all nine in one day definitely goes to show how easy they're making it to, to binge on this. Now, some here are some aspects to consider when we think of best practices for binge watching because that is such a societal norm now. And we need to consider health. Research has shown that adults who watch more than three hours of TV a day double their risk for premature death. And also that um, you have the increased odds um, of contracting a chronic disease by 15% if you're watching more than three or four hours a day. So it seems to be um, a consistent cutoff is about this three-hour range. If you consider most movies are usually about two hours, sometimes between two and three hours. Um, so like that would be the equivalent of watching one movie. That's pretty much the limit for, for good health, especially on a regular basis. Also, they found that the more lonely and depressed people are, the more likely they are to binge on TV in order to help sort of negate or avoid a lot of the negative feelings and emotions in their lives, sort of lose themselves inside of a, of a show. When it comes to um, one of the most commonly reported effects of binge watching, it's sleep. And this goes to any activity on a screen, right? Especially when you're doing it late at night. Performance has been shown to right, decrease your immune system when you're not getting enough sleep, your cognitive function your ability to learn new information, all of that is affected. And what they found is that binge watchers are 98% um, more likely to have poor sleep quality than those who don't binge watch. Another aspect to consider is, of course, this addiction. You can call it addiction. I would really probably put it on the same level as video games. 
you're not, you know, going out and, and robbing a store in order to have Netflix. You know, it's not causing you to, to do harmful things like maybe drugs or alcohol or another addiction might. However, it is really easy to become obsessed like a video game, to not be able to stop. That's the, really the key and that you may um, forget about your priorities and commitments because you're so lost in the activity, in the show or in the video game. This is where this character trait of conscientiousness that we talked about in the last episode also comes in, right? The ability to um, sort of discern what your goals are and then make decisions that will promote those goals and not um, you know, cause you to lose sight of those goals. And often binge watching can cause you to lose sight of your future goals. Another concern is the antisocial behavior. They have found that the majority of people, 56% of people prefer to binge watch alone. Well, again, when we're doing it for so many hours, that's that much less activity that you're at face-to-face in relationships. And now we know relationships are always greater than media and the character trait that is built from just being in relationships. So that can be concerning as well. But the good news is, is that if you are binge watching with your friends or your family or your spouse, it actually can bring you closer as you discuss the show and share the experience together. An interesting fact is this psychological principle um, that I think really applies and is important to know when considering Netflix binge watching is it's called hedonic adaptation. And it's essentially a fancy way of, of saying that your brain gets used to new things. And when it gets used to something, then it just starts liking it a little bit less. So the more you binge watch on a show, it's not leaving you by the time you're done with these positive feelings because you kind of got tired of it. However, in contrast, when we look at, say, Game of Thrones from HBO, yes, people are are watching it in a very habitual way, but they're only getting one episode at a time. And what they found is that gives you a whole week to process that episode and get excited for another episode. That can even be found with just five-minute commercials. It can get you excited for the show to start back up. But when there's no commercials, there's no advertisements, and you're just going from one episode to another, to another, to the next, this hedonic adaptation occurs and you actually start to like it less. So as a parent, how can you um, acknowledge that binge watching is a very popular thing, but encourage it in very healthy ways? I believe one of the number one ways you can do it is to do it together as a family. Choose a show or a season that you may all enjoy and then decide, you know, every um, maybe Friday night, we're going to watch two episodes or three episodes, right? Really, we don't want to do anything more than about three hours. Keep that in mind. And then you all watch it together, but then you take a break, right? Allowing for that to kind of be processed and absorbed and gain excitement for the next episode. We did this once in our family. We watched a season of The Amazing Race and we watched one episode a night um, over summer until it was done. And the excitement for, you know, eight o'clock to come when we could all sit down on a summer evening and watch that next show was so high. Granted, we watched one episode a day, um, but we got so excited to see what was happening next. This is a great way to kind of show your children and model for them self-control with television shows, teach them that conscientiousness that's required to not negate those responsibilities that everyone has, especially as they get older. Another thing to consider if you are binging with your family or you're allowing your child to 
to binge maybe after a, a long week of final exams or hard work over summer and they just want to spend one morning or, or night, right, binge watching. I would definitely choose the morning. Encourage it to be done earlier in the day, not right before bedtime because of the way that that can affect the sleep. Sleep is so important and our children and young adults are already having a hard time gaining healthy sleep cycles and um, getting the sleep that they need, that it's important to encourage healthy habits and behaviors that will promote good sleep. Of course, keeping the devices out of the room at all times, right? If you do allow the Netflix app on their phone, making sure their phone is not in their room at night where they can stay up, you know, regardless of whether they have to get up for school the next day, their, their self-control is going to be lost in those seasons as they binge. Great tips. As you consider um, this for summer, what is it going to look like having Netflix in the home? How much time are you going to allow? And are you going to allow binge watching in the home? Well, this brings us to the end of this episode. If you miss anything in today's show or you want to learn more, you can visit us at braveparenting.net. Or if you have any questions about what we discussed today, you can email us at podcast at braveparenting.net. For an in-depth look at how you can build strong character in your kids using the technology they love and crave, you can pick up a copy of our book, Managing Media, Creating Character, available on Amazon. Hey, while you are um, on iTunes or Android or whatever favorite podcast platform you're using, be sure to subscribe to our show. You can rate us and be great. Um, Make sure that you don't miss any episodes. Thank you so much for listening to the Brave Parenting Podcast, where we believe that character is greater than media and every child needs a parent willing to set a new standard. Until next time, go and be brave.